3: Iffy Wadiway. How's it going, everybody?
1: How's it? How's it going? Iffy, um, this is one of the topics that I feel I grew up with mainly because I stole my brother's G.I. Yeah, yeah, Joe's yeah, to be with up. my Barbie. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ken was not cutting it.
3: But <laughs> well, she she wanted like a burly man who's uh-huh. out there fighting for his country.
1: hmm Um, I also stole uh their Batman. It was actually the George Clooney Batman, I believe. Oh, really? Um, That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. No, maybe it was Val Kilmer's. I can't Ooh. remember. But I stole their rubber Batman and uh, made him make out with my Barbie. Yeah.
3: Like,
1: so uh, we we're covering GI Joe.
3: GI Joe, American hero. <laughs>
1: We can't we we can't pay for the yeah for yeah the that's actual... why I had to sing the bootleg version <laughs> American hero. I don't want to have to invoice. I don't want to get a like a royalty situation. A
3: hundred percent.
1: Um yeah. So let's let's talk. We actually had I think we had some requests for this episode, right? Oh yeah,
3: we had a few people talking. Yeah,
1: we had it, and we have some friends. I think that have there are many uh, many uh, a podcast dedicated just to GI Joe. Oh yeah. Um, uh, which kind of reminds me, I don't know if every because a lot of people have hit us up about, we said this before, but a lot of people have hit us up about Dragon Ball Z. And Ify and I actually had a podcast that was just dedicated to Dragon Ball Z. And I can tell you, when you have a podcast that's just dedicated to one thing, it's kind of nice that we do what we do now. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> after, after talking about it for 50 episodes, you're kind of like, yeah. Um, But I want to talk about G.I. Joe's, though. Yeah, yeah.
3: I want to get in on it.
1: Um, so, so what is G.I. Joe? It is a, well, first it started as a line of action figures that was produced and owned by the toy company Hasbro, which I just found out today was Hasenfield Brothers.
3: Really? That's what that is. Yes.
1: And shortened to Hasbro, which makes sense. Um, Like Super Mario Bros. Uh, yeah. The initial product represented four of the branches of the U.S. Armed Forces. So that was um, Action Soldier, which was U.S. Army. Action Sailor, which was U.S. Navy. Action Pilot, Air Force. Action Marine, Marine Corps. And later on, the Action Nurse. I didn't know they oh, had nice. an Action Nurse.
3: Yeah. They, it's so funny because I want to assume that it's probably their female line that they're like, Action Nurse. But... It could be the male line, which would be interesting because, you know, I feel like male nurses never get any love.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if you think, let me look it up. No, I think you're right. It was a woman.
3: Yeah, no, that sounds about right based on when uh, G.I. Joe was created. I
1: mean, if Ben Stiller was still made fun of it in Meet the Fockers, I think that we, back when G.I. Joe was created, definitely probably wasn't normal. Yeah. uh, Seen as.
3: So, G.I. Joe was the code name for America's daring, highly trained, special missions force. Its purpose was to defend human freedom against COBRA, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. From 1982 until about 1994, Hasbro's G.I. Joe, a real American hero, was one of the driving forces in kids' entertainment, conquering the worlds of comic books, animated televisions, and tiny toy action pictures. And then eventually movies.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the name derived from the usage of G.I. Joe for the generic U.S. soldier, Mm -hmm. Um, so that was actually a term. So G.I. is an an acronym used to describe the soldiers of the United States Army and, and airmen and United States Army Air Forces. And also a term for general items of their equipment. So the term G.I. has been used as government issue or general issue, but originally it was used as galvanized iron Well, Just a little backstory. Yeah, a
3: little backstory. Well, let's even go further back and talk about just how this whole thing got started. So Mattel was killing it with Barbie and her accessories, but Hasbro, not so much. Uh, In 1963, Hasbro began development on a military-themed line of dolls that, like Barbie, could be accessorized with the different outfits and equipments. The original strategy called for a different figure for each branch of the military, but when, like, the 1945 film called The Story of G.I. Joe came out, uh, they... Eventually, decided to genericize it and have everyone just kind of be their own guy.
1: Yeah, it was kind of interesting because, um, in a GI Joe podcast that I was listening to that we're going to link in the footnotes, they were talking about, um, they actually had a professor that uh, has also studied a lot of GI Joe history, but uh, he was talking about how, um, a lot of boys were playing with Ken dolls. Oh, wow. And apparently, that was not allowed. Or not as heavily liked, and so they wanted to capitalize and and make uh, a more buff, buff macho yeah, man ripped, yeah, action figure. Um, and actually, that's where the term action figure came from. It's GI Joe. Oh, really? I don't know if you know that. Yeah. So the development of GI Joe led to the coining of the term action figure. The original idea for the action figure was developed in 1963 by Stan Weston, who was a Manhattan licensing agent. And Weston actually made like these... Prototypes of the figure and basic like marketing materials uh-huh. that showed the sales potential of a military action figure. And when he showed these materials to Donald Levine, who was a Hasbro executive, Levine told Weston, "quote You will make a fortune with these," which he was right. And Weston subsequently licensed the entire concept to Hasbro. So this is kind of interesting. And he licensed it for hundred thousand um, dollars. Levine, though, is the one who is seen as the father of Joe. Like oh, he's wow. kind of seen as the father of G.I. Yeah. Joe.
3: But that it is interesting because I just want to jump back on it being called action figures. I always used to distinguish between G.I. Joes and then my action action figures, uh, which I think really? more- yeah, which was more traditionally known as an action figure. I looked at GI Joes as dolls and action figures. I looked at them as action figures because, like, they had the articulation that would allow you to pose mm-hmm, them, and mm-hmm. and so that's why it made sense in my brain. But little did I know, it was just some weird gender politics that made them come up Truly. with a different name. Because all GI Joes are are dolls.
1: Yeah. So, but in the early 1960s, mm-hmm. they didn't think that boys would play with quote unquote dolls. Yeah. And so so they that's had to call why it
3: action figures.
1: Uh-huh, yeah, and and, uh, and since they also had uh, America's Movable Fighting Man was the <laughs> registered trademark of Hasbro and was prominently displayed on every boxed figure package. I did want to go back, though, and say uh, in my research when I was looking up Donald Levine, this is just a side note. From 2005 to 2006, Levine designed and manufactured an action figure of Osama bin Laden. What? For the CIA's psychological warfare program called Devil Eyes.
4: Wow. Levine Levine
1: developed a 12-inch lifelike, you can actually look it up, a 12-inch lifelike figure whose face was painted with a material that when heated would peel off to reveal a demon-like face with green eyes and black markings. So when asked in 2014 about Levine's Involvement in the program, his family said in a statement, Don Levine was a dedicated patriot and proud Korean War veteran. When called on, he was honored to assist our country. That was their response when they asked him about this Osama Bin Laden doll.
3: Yeah. That's so interesting. Just a
1: side fact here at Nerdificent. Uh... But moving on. Yeah. Moving on, Ify, do you want to talk to us about um, the, uh, yeah, so so just rounding out 1964 to 1969 was known as the movable fighting man years for ah. G.I. Joe. And up next, we have Adventure Team.
3: Yeah, yeah, the Adventure Team. By the late 1960s, in the wake of the Vietnam War, Hasbro sought to downplay the war theme that had initially defined G.I. Joe. The line became known as the Adventures of G.I. Joe. And in 1970, Hasbro settled on the name Adventure Team.
1: Adventure Team. Yeah. You know, when you were singing the G.I. Joe song, yeah. um, I wanted to say, G.I. Joe, robots in disguise.
3: <laughs> There's so many jingles.
1: <laughs> They're all pretty much the same, but I do want to say, uh, which we'll get to, Sunbo uh, produced both of those. Oh, wow. uh, Transformers, also, I believe, My Little Pony and G.I. Joe. So, yeah, we'll get into they that. Have
3: to, they have the game on lock. So basically to coincide with the new direction, lifelike flocked hair and beard, an innovation developed in England by Palatoy for their licensed version of Joe Action Man, is introduced in nineteen seventy, and a retooled African American Whoop Whoop Adventurer was also introduced, which came in two versions as did the others in the series, Bearded or Shaven.
1: These were my Kendalls. Like it's really funny to talk about the introduction of that technology as far as like the lifelike hair. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Did you have did you have I guess action figures? Because I don't know if you had dolls. Did you yeah. have those that had the the Not really, hair no. they were like plastic. No, yeah. oh, see, I had, I had, my mom gave me her old Ken dolls, um, which were anatomically correct. Isn't that kind of interesting? <laughs> yeah, they had a penis. Like some of them were a little bit of a bump. Are we allowed to say that? I don't know. I might get bleeped. Um, I
3: think we could say penis. It's, it's like a, it's a normal.
1: But here, this is what we talked about in Erica Ishii's Sailor Moon episode: is yeah. how censored we are in America that we get weird about oh, yeah. talking about even normal things that people have.
3: Well, I was um, talking about this the other. day and here goes one of those uh tangents but just our concept because i feel like it's a constant wave where like sometimes we get so obsessed over what kids can see sometimes we lean back but when you think about it kids aren't you know i'm sure there's psychological evidence that prove this one way or the other but kids aren't as interested in like sexual things like i was talking with my buddy when he was talking about when he was a kid and he saw water world and his friend
1: oh my gosh uh, i remember seeing it when i was little yeah too. <laughs> his
3: parents freaked out because they're like oh there's boobs in there yes, yeah yes. and he was like what I, he, and he was like i didn't even care at the time because i was trying to see the men fighting you know yeah. so
1: on a different tangent side note my aunt when she first saw a little boy peeing she thought they peed from their belly buttons <laughs>
3: So, your aunt mm-hmm. okay. my tia yeah oh, I, yeah yeah. Wow.
1: my aunt moving on <laughs> so in 19 this is why people come to this for for yeah. our outside to hear that i used to make my you know, just stuffed that. animals smash their genitals together oh, yeah. and
3: also your tia updates
1: <laughs> yeah yeah she actually had a baby very young but wow. um <laughs> okay so but now she's a young mom like she's younger than all the other moms so there you go in 1974, named after the increasingly popular martial art, Hasbro introduced the Kung Fu Grip. This was a big deal. Oh yeah, to the GI Joe line. Uh, this was another innovation that actually was developed in the UK for Action Man, uh, and the hands were molded in a softer plastic that allowed the fingers to grip objects in a more lifelike fashion. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So, so I was going to say around this time, though, the line was canceled in 1976. Joe had become something of a superhero. So they were incorporating fantastic elements like chrome-plated bullet man and bionic limbs of atomic man who battled the intruders, which is a group of cavemen from outer space. Oh, so man. they really did kind of want to um, move away from him just being a war yeah. kind of individual well, because... and kind of seen as a superhero yeah, or because... heroesque
3: the vietnam war was not fun <laughs> yeah and i think you know and that was also like there were a lot of people who were against it and i think trying to distance themselves away from that is kind of their idea where it looks like we no this is a superhero this isn't like you know army propaganda which it kind of was at first then we got into a real american hero which is more the gi joe i know i'm familiar with these guys but we'll get into that after these messages
2: For over 20 years, the EasyBreathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own EasyBreathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today.
3: Welcome back, y'all. Enjoyed those messages. And we're talking about GI Joe today on Neurodificent, keeping it a nice, light, and spicy. Uh, if you're just tuning in, which you shouldn't be because this is a podcast and not a live radio show, you uh, you should know that Danny dropped a fun fact. It, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I'm probably going to be thinking about that for the rest of the week.
1: <laughs> really? Why? Now, Wait, because the it's belly such button a funny.
3: Thing? Yeah, it's such a funny image because I can see how that happened. Mm-hmm. And it's just like so funny where she's like, oh, I can't really see anything, but I see it coming out the belly button. Yeah, that's a boy. Weird. <laughs>
1: I want to also pee from my belly button.
3: <laughs> Be a lot um, more convenient.
1: Yeah, probably. Well, for women, yes, uh, iffy. It's annoying. I'm in a one piece right now, and I have to take this whole thing off to pee. Anyways, moving on to, yeah, I would say if this was a golden age, I, I would name it the golden age, which is a real American hero. 1982 to 1994. Yes, this I would say. I mean, there's obviously a lot of people who grew up with the toys, and that was their first introduction. A lot of diehards, actually, for the comics and the and the toys. But um, oh yeah, the like we've talked about before in our Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle one. You know, a lot of these uh, shows are used to push. A lot of the animated shows were used to push the toy sales, and so. Uh, I don't know if G.I. Joe would be as big as it is without a real American hero. The year was
4: 1982.
1: And it saw the highly successful relaunch of the G.I. Joe product line in a smaller 3.75 inch scale. So that scale was the same one that was used by Kenner's uh, Star Wars figures Mm -hmm. and Micronauts, which were also really popular. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and this relaunch pioneered several tactics in toy marketing, combining traditional advertising with an animated television miniseries and an ongoing comic book. The decision to use a smaller 3.75 inch scale for the figures also made it possible for Hasbro to produce a variety of matching vehicles and playsets that further expanded the appeal and commercial potential of the line. So this is the yeah, this is more the G.I. Joe, the cheesy G.I. Joe we remember. The we have the smaller toys, and I remember the Star Wars toys too. Mm -hmm. Like it was like this is like the action figure, action figures that I was referencing because I realized before I just repeated action figures. So people could have been like, What did Iffy mean by that? I mean like these scale action figures.
1: Yeah. We also had G.I. Joe posters, t shirts, video games, board games, and kites. And kites. In 1985, both Toy and Lamp and Hobby World magazines ranked G.I. Joe as the top selling American toy.
3: Yeah. And because the enemy toys had never sold well in the past, Hasbro actually didn't even consider to bring them back for the G.I. Joe. But then Larry Hama, who was writing the Marvel comic book series, insisted that these guys can't just march around and go on maneuvers or whatnot. They have to be battling some things, you know, like a threat. That's a direct quote from And it was uh, Marvel's writer, Archie Goodwin, that suggested a terrorist organization named Cobra. And inspired by the name... uh Inspired by the name Ron Rudett, developed the design for the enemy's now iconic logo.
1: Yeah, and according to Jim Shooter, who at one point was Marvel's editor-in-chief, later villains became 40% of their volume, so of the toys. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of right, though. I can't think of other villains, maybe now, but I can't think of toys where the villain sold as well as this.
3: Yeah. You know, oh, I yeah.
1: can't. Um... Well,
3: they look so cool, you know.
1: They do. And it was really interesting um, because a lot of people are like, well, Cobra and Marvel was also working, you know, with Hydra. That to me is kind of, obviously they don't like overlap at all in the comics, but that was kind of, they're they're kind of really similar. Yeah. <laughs> they're kind of really similar. So yes, yeah, so we have G.I. Joe, a real American hero, um, also known as Action Force in the UK. Uh, In 1985, it was a half-hour American animated television series that was created by Ron Friedman. Uh, it was based on the toy line from Hasbro and the comic book series from Marvel Comics. The cartoon had its beginning with two five-part miniseries in 1983 and 1984. Then it became a regular series that ran in syndication from 1985 to
3: 1986. Yeah, yeah, and they took these cartoons pretty seriously. Like the producers didn't want just like anyone who'd written a Saturday morning cartoon. Uh, so Ron Freeman, who'd worked on All in the Family, Starsky and Hutch, and Fantasy Island, was recruited to write. The first 15 episodes of G.I. Joe. And then uh other people were Marv Wolfman, who wrote The New Teen Titans. You had Denny O'Neill, who wrote Batman, Steve Gruber, who was the co-creator of Howard the Duck. So like they it wasn't like, I feel like not to kind of jam on Teenage mutant Ninja Turtles, but when we were describing that, it just seemed like it was a couple of toy dudes who like came <laughs> together and was like, all right, let's do this. Like no, with GI Joe they're like let's find some some big dogs.
1: Well, it's kind of fascinating if we were to compare it to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because that was so much more lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Um and if you think of when we talked about like some of their catchphrases that were created by the toy company, um like Cowabunga, that wasn't created by them but that was instilled by them and then um Heroes in a Half Shell was something else that they had come up with and them being like pizza loving and stuff. So, um yeah, it is. It is kind of interesting to parallel, like, to look at how different these two ended up becoming. Yeah, um, and maybe partly because GI Joe is rooted in war. <laughs> You know, like there's no way to get around that as much as they did try to make him kind of superhero-esque.
3: But also another fun fact that has to do with other cartoons in the era. So in the G.I. Joe movie, there's a scene where Duke, the leader, kind of takes a staff to his heart and dies on screen. And like, you know, uh, the fellow Joes, like uh, Scarlet and Hawk, they're crying. And at the end of the film, Duke's half-brother Falcon, he was looking to the heavens and says, thanks, big brothers. But um, producers ended up panicking and added dialogue to explain that Duke was actually just in a coma, from which he later had a miraculous victory. And the reason was because kids were traumatized by Optimus Prime's death in the Transformers movie, so they did, <laughs> so they like scrambled and made sure. I mean, tra- Really? Yeah, yeah.
1: Only 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 like a decade later would we have the horrific death of Mufasa at yeah. the hand of thousands of wildebeest. Oh, so yeah. um more too like close. hundreds. That, but that, that I mean Disney Prime doesn't Prime care at kids. all. Yeah. No, apparently Sunbow is over here what? trying to protect children and Disney is trying to ruin everyone's life. Well,
3: technically they kind of were cuz were going to kill off Duke and Optimus Prime and only bailed because they saw the consequences of their actions. Wow. Wow.
1: <laughs> Man. Oh, man. Meanwhile, Disney does not care. Oh yeah,
3: no, Disney's like Bambi, but, ba- Yes, Bambi, exactly. Bambi like was
1: woof, Bambi's was quicker though. Mufasa, they really like dragged that out. His oh, death yeah. scene was like ten minutes, and then it was him like, you know, oh, struggling. Okay, moving on. <laughs> but yeah, so G.I. Joe was promoted to a full series in 1985, and the season began with a third Friedman penned five part adventure, The Pyramid of Darkness. And that story sees most of the existing cast from the two previous miniseries held captive by Cobra. And then a second season of 30 episodes followed in 1986, beginning with the fourth five-part story, Arise, Serpenter, Arise! In which Cobra scientist Dr. Mindbender, inspired by a dream, uses the DNA of history's ruthless conquerors and rulers to genetically engineer Serpenter, who usurps Cobra Commander's place as Leader of Cobra.
3: Rule Serpenter. So then uh, in this miniseries introduced a new 1986 uh, range of toys into the story who were at the center of most stories across the rest of the season. In particular, the miniseries debuted former WWF and then current AWA professional wrestler Sergeant Slaughter as a member of the G.I. Joe, who's played by himself. And I remember this because that was like the cool thing. (laughs) And for the season, Buzz Dixon replaced Steve Gerber as story editor. That's just some behind-the-scenes Hollywood facts. I think people are still tripping off of Sergeant Slaughter, or your nostalgia is kicking in because you remember that.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, so G.I. Joe was a co-production between Marvel Productions and Sunbow Productions, and Sunbow's staff would write the scripts based on the character and vehicle designs provided by Hasbro, again, behind the curtain, which yeah. I guess you can see, um, I haven't had the time to sit down because I didn't realize it was multiple episodes, but um, the Toys That Made Us, mm-hmm. that you know that uh, series on Netflix? Oh, yeah. Um, I know that they have one on this, so. Um,
3: yeah, that's something, some more. Um- uh, some extracurricular activity. If you yeah, go even check it out. Up. But
1: also, you can see that basically um, a lot of our nostalgic uh, stuff comes from selling toys. Yeah. Uh, so they would write the scripts based on the character and vehicle designs provided by Hasbro, while the artists at Marvel Productions would draw storyboards based on the scripts and record voiceovers. The animation, though, this is really fascinating. The animation was outsourced to our friends at Toy. Yeah, In Japan, who worked on all 95 episodes as well as the movie.
3: Well, I want to talk about Marvel because there's a fun thing that uh, was kind of cool that never really happened. So at the same time that Hasbro was developing its 3.75-inch real American hero toy line in 1981, Marvel Comics editor and freelance writer Larry Hama, who we were talking about earlier, was pitching a series called... The Fury Force, which was made yes. up of an elite squad of soldiers. Uh, and uh, the lead uh, was like Nick Fury's son. And when Hamill was signed on to write G.I. Joe, he ended up dropping the Fury Force and transposed like several of the characters from that into the real mm-hmm. American hero lineup. But, yeah. I mean, that that would have been a fun world. That Because it seems like Marvel and G.I. Joe's were kind of living that same kind of timeline, but it just kind of never Fully committed to it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Toei had worked on the movie as well. So speaking of the GI Joe yeah, movie, yeah. would you kind of about it? Yeah. So it was a feature-length uh, film version of the series that was intended to be released theatrically. Followed by the Transformers movie. Mm-hmm. However, the movie encountered unexpected production delays, which allowed the Transformers feature to be released first and ruined it for everybody. Because due <laughs> to the poor box office performance of the Transformers and My Little Pony films, which were both done by Sunbo, um, G.I. Joe was then sent to direct-to-video status. Um, <laughs> It was released on VHS on April twentieth, nineteen eighty seven, and was later split into a five part miniseries for television syndication. But um, it could have been in the theaters.
3: Yeah, I know you could have watched it on the big screen, but then, like like I said, Transformers seemed to ruin the movie more ways than, <laughs> more ways than one.
1: Yeah. So, if you do you want to talk about the movie a little bit,
3: yeah, yeah so the movie follows up the events of season two revealing that cobra commander is actually an agent of a secret civilization known as cobra la led by a half serpent humanoid named globulus the same organization is also revealed to have had a hand in the creation of serpentor as the dream that inspired dr mindbender to create him was actually a subconscious suggestion implanted into him by one of globulus's bugs in addition to cobra la Two new sub-teams were introduced within the Joe team, the Rawhides and the Renegades. The Renegades. Both composed of characters introduced during the toy line's 1987 lineup. You remember the Renegades because those dudes were fighting people from space.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. Um. And then, sadly, we have a cancellation. <laughs> so Marvel Productions continued to produce animated commercials for the toy line and comic books, uh, which also featured a new theme song with the lyrics, Nobody Beats G.I. Joe, <laughs> uh, after G.I. Joe the movie, uh, which was intended to set up season three. However, the company never got around to produce a third season as they ended up losing the license to competing animation company Dick, D-I-C, during pre-production.
3: Hmm. Uh, here's another weird, interesting fact, but uh, Rocky Balboa oh yeah, almost became a G.I. Joe. But uh, what, what they found out, uh, so they were doing a four-issue miniseries that started in December of 1986 that listed all of the various G.I. Joe operatives, Cobra agents and vehicles that made up the universe. In the second issue of the series, Rocky Balboa was er- uh, <laughs> erroneously listed as a member of the Joe's. Because and the reason this happened was negotiations had been taking place to license the character, but had subsequently fallen through. But he still was listed anyway. So it was like a teaser of what mm-hmm. could have been. Like, mm-hmm. can you imagine? Yeah. The picture is so funny, too, because like he has boxing gloves. It's like, but they all have guns and lasers. What were you going to do? Yeah,
1: I guess that doesn't make sense. I think Sylvester Stallone makes more sense as a yeah. G.I. Joe. <laughs> yeah. Like just him, he already looks like one. <laughs> him as a just person. have him Rambo. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Dick's uh, involvement with the G.I. Joe series. So their series premiered in 1989 with a five-part miniseries titled Operation Dragonfire. It was turned into a regular series that aired from 1990 to 1992 and lasting two seasons for a total of 44 episodes. Um, Sunbow would later return to the G.I. Joe franchise. Um, and They co-produced the pilot Sergeant Savage and his Screaming Eagles um, and G.I. Joe... G.I. Joe Extreme TV series uh which aired from 1995 to 90. 19- there was actually a lot. There was a lot more I think than people yeah. realized because people normally just equate it to the that smaller series, but it continued on. The Screaming Eagles pilot also had characters from the A Real American Hero series which was Hawk, Doc, uh Lady J as well as Cobra Commander himself.
3: Ooh.
1: Yeah, but otherwise it it focused on new heroes and villains.
3: Ah. And just for those might wondering, yeah, Dick Enterprises is diffusion, information, and communications, and it was a French company. And their their uh, their incredible slogan, which is 100 percent true, is the incredible world of Dick. Uh, so, <laughs>
1: Wait, could we be saying it wrong? If he is it D-I-C? D
3: I C like what? How is Dyke?
1: Dyke? I don't know. D.C. D C. There's already a D.C.
3: Yeah, so. There it is. I guess people probably call it DIC. Maybe. I don't know. Let's talk about the G.I. Joe's PSAs.
1: I am so excited about this.
3: Yeah, because this was, I think, one of the biggest things the G.I. Joe were known for. A series of PSAs were produced uh, starring the characters from G.I. Joe from 1985 to 1987. Each PSA, public service announcement for those who might not know, ended with one of the trouble kids spouting, Now I know. The
1: more you know.
3: Yeah, and now they know. <laughs> the featured Joe would then follow it up with the infamous catchphrase, "And knowing is half the battle." There were 35 PSAs Crazy. produced, each with a different lesson to be learned. Uh, let's let's try and run down these as fast as we can. What? Uh,
1: okay. Yeah. Okay. You you take one, and I'll take okay. one.
3: Okay. Running away isn't the answer.
1: Featuring shipwreck. Yeah. Are you okay? Don't do what a stranger says with Wild Bill.
3: How to Tread Water, featuring torpedo.
1: What to do if you catch on fire, featuring spirit.
3: Being a handicap doesn't make one helpless, featuring spirit.
1: Be careful around frozen ponds and lakes, featuring snow job.
3: Taking something that isn't yours just isn't right, featuring shipwreck.
1: You'll never learn without trying, featuring Scarlet.
3: Don't go near downed power lines, featuring roadblock. <laughs> oh,
1: I love that one. Um, Don't give strangers your address, featuring roadblock.
3: Have your eyes tested, featuring ripcord. <laughs> Aww,
1: don't get in anything that could close and <laughs> trap you, featuring ricondo.
3: Any Anything worth doing is worth planning, featuring quick kick.
1: Don't pet strange animals featuring mutt.
3: <laughs> Wear proper protection out in the sun, featuring leatherneck.
1: <laughs> stop and think before you act. I mean that's just good for anyone. Featuring Lady J.
3: Obey Railroad Crossings, featuring Hawk.
1: Don't judge people until you give them a chance, featuring Gung ho. How to
3: stop a nosebleed featuring footloose. I mean
1: that's that's helpful teamwork helps you win not arguments featuring flint
3: it's better to tell the truth featuring flint
1: put reflectors on your bikes featuring dusty never
3: take medicine without adult supervisions featuring doc
1: have proper ventilation when painting <laughs> why is your child painting your bedroom <laughs> featuring dial tone
3: Don't swim during a thunderstorm featuring Deep Six.
1: Always wear a life jacket when boating featuring Deep Six.
3: Instead of fighting, find a better way featuring Cutter.
1: Don't call the fire department from a burning building (laughs) featuring Blowtorch. Very, very, yeah,
3: those two go together. What to do when you're lost featuring Alpine.
1: Don't pull the fire alarm unless there's a fire featuring
3: Barbecue. What to do if your house is on fire featuring barbecue? Well, I I already know not to call the fire department from a barbecue. I love
1: that one. Okay. What to do if someone passes out featuring airtight.
3: Eat the right foods featuring
1: Lifeline. Wear a helmet for protection, featuring cross country and beachhead.
3: Listen to yourself, featuring Flint. Oh my. Those were a lot and they range from like helpful to what?
1: <laughs> um, so I want to say how I was introduced to them Was from the parodies Which are pretty popular and infamous On the oh, internet yeah. And treat yourself truly So in 2003 Eric Fensler created parodies Of 25 of the PSAs Which were hosted on eBomb's World Prompting a take down notice from Hasbro yeah. uh, In 2004 But they have since been uploaded in various ways um, My favorite is pork chop sandwiches, oh, uh, yeah. which you can Google G.I. Joe pork chop sandwiches. Was, let me Do uh, have that
3: core Yeah, thing? I have
1: it right here. Oh, yeah. My God, did that smell good. You
2: detect it. You no know, going, and you tell me do things. I done running. G.I. Joe. <laughs>
3: so dumb. I know, Yeah audibly you're probably like what just happened but if you watch it it's just insane it's, it's great it's
1: so funny and uh they made several of them and other people have made parodies as well but i think um eric is uh fensler is the one who's most notorious for it fensler film um and uh the first part of that we couldn't play because it had a lot of the f word in it <laughs> yeah so... yeah, it's,
3: yeah just that that's our i guess our warning for you is it curses a lot
1: yeah um but yeah I wanted to say uh, we should talk about the characters of G.I. Joe because we didn't even really get into the different Joes and Cobras. Uh, yeah, yeah. And we, we mentioned
3: Duke and that's about it.
1: Well, we did say all of those uh, featuring those PSAs. Yeah. Um, but we'll get into actually the top 10 Joes and Cobras right after the break.
3: off today
1: and we are back so
3: yeah IGN put together this nice and handy list of the top 10 Joes and Cobras which is uh more informative and better than reading just all of them.
1: <laughs> there's too many. I was going to say that. And I know that we're going to leave out somebody's favorite. So instead of um, writing us, write IGN.
3: No, no, no. instead of, instead, write us, send a picture and tell us why you're the favorite. And then I'll retweet and let you know if I agree if that should be the best one.
1: <laughs> yeah, do that. Because I was going to say there's just, there's so many. There's Yeah, there's, they
3: added a whole bunch.
1: Yeah, like 160 or something. Really? Yeah, oh. uh-huh. Yeah, like characters, yeah. So our friends at IGN made a nice little top ten. It's actually top five. It's top five Joes and top five Cobras. (laughs) Uh, So starting out at number five for them is Gung Ho.
3: Yeah, Uh, who's, it seems like he is a, um, you know, just what you would expect at the times uh, version of an Asian American warrior. (laughs) Yeah. yeah,
1: except for he grew up in Louisiana. Oh, um, he oh. honed his skills in bare-knuckle boxing and knife fighting at an early age, as we all. Uh, those skills, along with his exposure to the human bayous of Louisiana, I love that this is in his backstory, yeah. made him a perfect candidate to join the Marines and fight in Vietnam. So befitting his loud, colorful personality, Gung Ho loves carrying a grenade launcher, and laying waste to Cobra's forces, um, so he's basically wearing a um. Well, he's wearing knee pads. That's fascinating. Yeah,
3: that's good. And you know, he has the the the. It almost looks like the Marines. Yeah, he has the Marine. Yeah, he's part of the Marines. He has it tattooed on his chest, mm-hmm. just so people know. And he kind of has the handlebar mustache.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: You know, it's great. Uh, he's very interesting. Uh, y'all might have remembered this name, which is uh. Roadblock and uh and it seems like he came from the Marvel Comics series and apparently he had a foul temper there. In the sunbow animated series, Roadblock became like a, a more jovial figure and he developing a tendency to speak in rhyme while also emerging as one of the great leader figures <laughs> among the shows. Uh it's also important to note that Roadblock is black, so you know, he's easier your rap and joe apparently.
1: I would love it if somebody out in war is speaking in rhymes. And The Rock played him in G.I. Joe Retaliation. Yeah, there we go.
3: Holding it down.
1: Uh moving on to three. Her codename is Scarlet and her civilian surname is O'Hara. And uh yeah, she has good looks, fiery personality, and the fact that she's one of the few female Joes. She has a law degree and specializes <laughs> in a number of firearms, though her preferred weapon is the crossbow. Ah. And she also is a Great martial
3: artist. I feel like, yeah. If you're a G.I. Joe, you got to know little little martial I
1: mean, arts. some of them you could have just weapons.
3: Yeah. yeah. She also, if you don't remember, she was the you'll never learn without uh, trying PSA.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And we got our man's Duke, uh, who is basically the leader of the G.I. Joe, the one we were talking about who was supposed to lose his life, um, but... Due to the death of Optimus Primes, it didn't. Um, yeah, Channing Tatum basically played him in Rise of Cobra. And, you know, he actually was able to re- reprise the role in Retaliation as well. So, it's cool.
1: Did people like those films? I don't
3: know, because they kept getting sequels. <laughs> like, That's I want to be like, tell. what? But, yeah, no, they kept getting sequels. So like
1: Transformers, which, which I enjoyed and you didn't. Yeah. You didn't even watch it, I don't think. Yeah,
3: still haven't watched a single transformer. Uh G.I. Joe Retaliation, the budget was 155 million and it made 375 million. Mm. So
4: Yeah. I guess they're
3: yeah, they're pretty successful.
1: Moving on, who do you think number 1, who would you say would be number 1
3: uh for the Joes? Honestly, I have no clue.
1: It is <laughs> Snake Eyes.
3: Oh yes, Snake Eyes Mm -hmm. is Snake Eyes was everyone's favorite, and I know this because he was a ninja. And like when the G.I. Joe movies came out, my like little brother and little cousin were of age, and they both were on Snake Eyes' head tough.
1: Yes. So the black clad ninja is a man of very few words. He never speaks. Is that true? He never speaks. Yeah, he doesn't talk. He never speaks. Uh, with various versions of the mythology deferring as to whether that's a self-imposed limitation or result of damaged vocal cords. It's fascinating. Yeah, but he's uh, an unparalleled fighter, master of many weapons. He prefers to stick to his trusty katana whenever possible. His pet wolf, Timber, is always ready to assist him in battle. Um, He has a deep-seated rivalry with Storm Shadow, uh, dope suit.
3: In, yeah, the suit's dope. Storm Shadow's kind of in like all white, so it's like the perfect
1: yeah. yin
3: and yang.
1: It truly is. But that is their top five uh, Joes. Yeah. Now let's talk about what's really cool, which is the Cobras. <laughs> I mean, everyone likes the villains. Uh, yeah. I like. As I've grown up, I've kind of now I I prefer Scar. Yeah. I prefer Scar over Mufasa and Maleficent. I think that they have uh, and Killmonger and Thanos. I think they have good points to make. <laughs> Um,
3: well, their number five is Zartan, and he was one of the major recurring villains in the Sunbow animated series, and he frequently worked alongside the Dreadnoughts, uh, a colorful biker gang with a high membership turnover, and he has, like, disguise and espionage skills, and apparently runs in his family, and he works with his twin siblings, Zarana and Xandar, so it's Zartan, <laughs> Zarana, Xandar, and he has a daughter named Zanya, so wow. it's all the Z's.
1: Wait, wait, wait. So, but his name is Zartan, but that's their last name. Oh, is it? Um, yeah. Who else? There's a couple of other characters like that. That's really funny. I can't think of it, but a couple of other characters with, like their last name. Their their name is also their last name.
3: Oh, that's so funny. um
1: number four. Surprisingly, at number four is Cobra Commander. Probably one of the most famous cobras. What? I can't believe it. <laughs> Maybe that's why. How am i How am I number four? Um. He has the same mystery factor working for him that benefits Snake Eyes. (laughs) Little is known about his past before becoming an international super terrorist. Uh, He's very diligent about hiding his face, tending to wear his signature helmet or hood even while sleeping. (laughs) That's how dedicated he is. According to the Marvel comic series, he was a failing used car salesman wow. that would turn anyone evil. I love it. Yeah. Who was spurned to evil by the death of his brother, but it also the car sales. Yeah, part. the car sale.
3: I feel like that was the major thing. The death of his brother kind of sucked, but him but not also being the able death of his that, soul every that day. That as as he's... <laughs> sitting in the lot every day, he's been trying to sell it for the past five years. Yeah. It.
1: Every day, someone trying to haggle him down on yeah. his price as he sits there and the gets their, is firm. and it's sits kid, there and, yeah. and gets their Keurig coffee. Mm-hmm. That Cobra Commander, number four.
3: Number three is the Baroness, who's whew, one Spicy. of my early Oof. early crushes. Look at that; just, we look.
1: That's like looking in the mirror, iffy. Look at that for all, me.
3: All the just le- black leather glasses, black hair. She's great. Oh my gosh! And she, uh, yeah. So basically, she was. Boot up with Destro. That was the one thing she always with, which was cool for me, because it was like, look, I'm thicker than Destro, so, you know, anytime you want to upgrade Baroness, let your boy know. Um, and then uh, Rise of Cobra, the movie, tried to shake up the formula by making Baroness a former love interest of Duke's, but uh, I guess in the sequel, they just never address it.
1: <laughs> yeah, she has one of the... The distinction of being one of the few G.I. Joe characters to debut first in the Marvel comics rather than the toy line. Oh, nice. Um, or the animated series. Um, and
3: yeah, that's kind of like Harlequin.
1: Yeah. And I guess it was uh, not in a good way. And it was mainly because the toy companies are kind of reluctant to mm. make female figures and yeah. action figures. Good thing
3: that's in the past. Oh, wait. no. Oh, wait till, a till, second. Till this day, they still have that issue.
1: Wait a till second. this day.
3: But yeah, just to clarify, Harley Quinn was debuted in the Batman animated series, not the comic books. And she was so popular that Mm -hmm. they made her a character who is now synonymous with Joker.
1: Truly. Yeah. She has her own. uh... Have you seen Batman and Harley Quinn? No. It's good. Oh, nice. It's animated. I watched it on the airplane. And I'm sure, you know, we. I would like to think that grown adults are like okay with the fact that. You know, other grown adults watch cartoons on the airplane, but that was what I was choosing to do with my time. <laughs> Moving on to number two, <laughs> Destro, who was placed higher than Cobra Commander. Very fascinating. Well, I
3: think he was cooler because he had the Baroness. You know.
1: Oh, so she like leveled him up. Yeah, yeah. Um, Destro was once Laird James McCullen Destro, <laughs> the twenty fourth. Wow. The Scottish nobleman carried on his family's long tradition. I love the backstories of these. Yeah. Um. On his family's long tradition of selling advanced weapons and profiting from the wars of other nations. Uh, Destro is the leader of Mars, a manufacturer responsible for providing Cobra with many of its doomsday devices and other weaponry. Yeah, and his signature, he has a signature steel mask is worn as a homage. Yeah. To his ancestor who was forced to wear an iron mask for selling weapons to both sides of a conflict. That's yeah. fascinating. This is really in-depth for a, a quote-unquote child's children's oh, series. Yeah, they,
3: they get in deep. They get in super deep.
1: Um, although in some versions, the mask is seen as a protective device that hides his scarred face, or in the case of IDW's uh, current comics, prevents his energy-based body from um, dissipating. Oh, nice. Didn't know that about him.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, number one, uh, is they follow the same suit with the villains, is Storm Shadow, which is Snake Eyes' enemy. And uh, IGN basically describes it this way, if Snake Eyes is the Wolverine of the G.I. Joe universe, then Storm Shadow is definitely his saber tooth. The two have a long history that dates back well before the days of G.I. Joe and Cobra. Though the details change, the gist of their feud is that Storm Shadow views Snake Eyes as an outsider unworthy of Clan Ara Shikage. In many versions of the Joe-verse, one of these ninjas hold the other responsible for the death of their master. There are many clashes in the comics, movies where he's played by Byung-Hung Lee, and animated projects frequently number among the most memorable G.I. Joe moments of all. Of course, because everyone loves ninjas.
1: I was going to say not included, but I did want to mention Dr. Mindbender, mad scientist, and former dentist. I really love this. We have a used car salesman, we have a dentist. It, both of these... Both of these uh, occupations would make people evil. <laughs> truly. Uh, he created several mind control devices uh, and was also an expert in genetic manipulation. So he is the responsible for the creation of Serpenter and Cobra Bat. Yeah. As well as perfecting the brainwave scanner.
3: So it looks like back in 2013, reports surfaced that there would be a third G.I. Joe film, and it would likely be in 3D. The studio announced Chu would return to direct the film. Then, while at San Diego Comic-Con of 2013, they, Chew talked about bringing back Scarlet in the next film— and then the writers of the second film were bringing, uh, talking about bringing back Baroness. And there was all these talk. And then September of the same year, Chu was confirmed to direct the film, along with the writer Evan Dor- Darty who wrote uh, Snow White and the Huntsman, Divergent, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then uh, then it goes on, and then it seems like nothing happened. Then they hired writers, hired writers, hired writers. Uh, then in 2017, January of last year, Caruso stated that the script for the crossover movie is now being written. And in May 2017, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, stated that if the opportunity arises, of he course. would appear in the, any future GI Joe films. And then the Hollywood Reporter uh, has reported that Paramount announced the film would be released in March 27th of 2020. Uh huh. Yeah. So this is all the way since two. Th- 2013 and 2020, and it seems like it's going to be a crossover film with, I believe, Terminator. I mean, Transformers. What did I say, Terminator?
1: They have G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, which came out in 2009, then G.I. Joe, Retaliation, which came out in 2013, and now G.I. Joe, Ever Vigilant is the current name that will be coming out in 2020. It has a projected release date of March 27th, 2020. And then it says they have an untitled Snake Eyes film yeah. to be announced.
3: Yeah. It seems like they they just announced that in um in May of this year. So we're getting more G. I. Joe, but it's taken a while. So that's the future of G. I. Joe. It's coming, it's just taking a minute. That's gonna be insane. Just hands down. I don't see how those two worlds can come together and not be insane. But I'm very curious to watch it happen. I guess I have to watch the other G.I. Joes to really go. But there has been huge gaps between it because Rise of Cobra, the first G.I. Joe film, came out in 2009. Oh, yeah. And then G.I. Joe Retaliation came out in 2013. That's a full four years later. And now we're going to get ever vigilant seven years later.
1: Yeah, and I also wanted to say that Crusoe had worked on the Triple X film. He directed The Return of Xander Cage.
3: He said that with such like no, seriousness.
1: I, I don't I haven't watched a lot of those. I think I watched the first one. I haven't watched a lot of the G.I. Joe films either. So yeah, same. I guess let us know if we should watch them. I don't know. I mean, know.
3: yeah, this came out the first one came out in two thousand nine. Let I us was... know if
1: you liked them.
3: I was three years out of high school. I, I probably thought I was way too advanced for that. Like, sorry, y'all. I can't watch uh, G.I. Joe. I have to go watch Bible Black. Sorry, I'm too <laughs> mature for that. Way too mature for these games. Well,
1: there's so many, I feel like, that are like that are in this vein mm-hmm. that I just kind of end up, yeah, not watching all of that. Plus, when you think of the amount of actual um, DC Marvel films that yeah. we have and superhero films, it's kind of a lot to yeah, watch.
3: I am way behind on DC <laughs> like DC I haven't seen Suicide Squad I haven't seen Justice League the last DC movie I watched was Wonder Woman
1: Yeah I would say those were the other two that came out I'm After, I'm yeah. I'm very excited very excited to see Wonder Woman um 84 and also Flashpoint
3: yeah, that should be I
1: forgot Aquaman is coming out. Um, I always forget that he was introduced <laughs> in the Justice. No, I forget because he's just, Jason Momoa is Jason Momoa. Like, it yeah. seems like he's always been with us. Yeah. It seems like he's been Aquaman for the last, like, five years at least or ten that's years or something. That's definitely how it feels. Yeah, that's how it feels. It just feels like, no, that's him. Yeah, we know him. But these other, like, but who's this Ezra Miller person? Yeah. And um, who was the actor that played Cyborg? Um, oh Ray Fisher, yeah. Ray Fisher, who uh, played Cyborg. Yeah. Um. So those are newer to me, and probably also because they don't necessarily have the film, um, or TV, uh, legacy that I feel like Momoa does, just because he's older. Um. But yeah. But it, somebody did correct us in our. I forgot which episode it was, but we were talking about the introduction of those characters, and someone reminded us that uh, Aquaman was also introduced. Yeah. In, uh, in that, but I totally forgot.
3: Also, while we're uh, adding addendums to things, uh, some uh, I, we got a message because we called Hunter X Hunter, Hunter X Hunter, and anime fans believe it should be called Hunter Hunter.
1: Yeah, but Erica also calls it Hunter X Hunter, and I feel like she's in the anime community and also Japanese American.
3: Yeah, so so yeah, some people said they called it Hunter by Hunter at sometimes, and people say Hunter X. Seems like uh, you know. Who cares? Just watch it and support the show. Uh, but, you know, there you go. You you got it. All right. Um. I think we got to get out of here. We do. Uh, so let's just wrap it up. You can find me at Ify Wadiwe on Twitter and Instagram, I-F-Y-N-W-A-D-I-W-E. Ifds on Twitch, thank you to everyone. There's so much nerd fam coming over to Twitch. So many dope people who are like, I just came over. I don't watch Twitch, but I came over to give you my Twitch Prime. So thanks. Do that. Make that visit once a month, though, because it doesn't keep uh, automatically renew. So don't forget that. Also, um, shout out to Nicole, who spells it a real fun way. She just gave me. I I just realized I should probably give those uh, shout outs. I said that I was going to give to uh, people on the stream. But while I pull up my stream labs, Danny, where can people find you?
1: People can find me at Ms. Danny Fernandez. It's M-S-D-A-N-I-F-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z. And also at Nerdificent, uh, on all the socials. And if and I are going to be at Comic Con.
3: Oh yeah, you can definitely come check that out.
1: Yeah, come check it out. And um we also launched our T public site.
3: Yeah, so yes. You that can is get very merch. true. Get that merch got lots of dope tees you can get stickers for your laptops or what have you so yeah make sure you go to the T public website We'll uh, share it with this video on all the Twitters and Instagrams. Go there. Get the merch. Rock. Show your nerd fam love.
1: If you have to say something, so someone has the Captain America meme, you know, the meme of him sitting down at the chair. Yeah. Um, And someone said, so you pronounce the X in Hunter X <laughs> Hunter. And then they follow, and it has like 18,000 likes, but they followed it up with, might I add. I personally don't care if you say Hunter Hunter or Hunter X Hunter or even Yu Yu Hakusho part two. This tweet is all in good fun, as it should be. Oh, yeah,
3: I forgot that Yu Yu as Hakusho it was another should one. That, be. Or don't forget My Hero Academia versus Boku no Hero or something. Yeah, so and you know,
1: My Hero Academia is also how yeah. it's known as.
3: But yeah, here's my shout outs uh, Heels Angels with the Z. Thanks for that uh, sub from the Nerd Fam. Uh, Hannah Bataki you came through gave me that love thank you so much uh, and I'm going to give Sam high five a shout out I don't remember him specifically saying whether or not he was nerd fan, but I'm going to just give him a shout out because I feel like the last few subs uh, have been nerd Fam. Tank Jutsu you came through Hondo Gray Nicole is spelled K-N-I-K-O-L so thank you all for them uh, for them subs it really means a lot to me helps me keep going and stay strong and I get your energy to help me twitch stream more Oh, I forgot. Stay nerdy, y'all.